What's going on, everybody? This is Matt Rinke, the founder of Illumination Wealth. I am very excited because I have another wonderful entrepreneur, a huge resource to the community uh, when it comes to finance, accounting, always willing to give back. It is Jennifer Barnes, who is the founder and CEO of Optima Office. And so Optima is basically a fractional accounting and HR service and support company. They have a big team that's grown fast over the, the last number of years, and they support industries from startup to up to 50 million in, in revenue across various industries, including nonprofit. I got to know Jennifer through the Entrepreneurs Organization, and uh, she is a top-notch entrepreneur herself, having grown and scaled her previous company to $6 million over a handful of years. And she's always also involved in many nonprofits, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, such as like the Better Business Bureau of San Diego and Junior Achievement, uh, always looking to give back. So really pumped to have you and uh, great seeing you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for the awesome introduction. I always appreciate working with you and as a stand-up guy, I'm honored to be on your podcast. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, thank you. So tell us a little bit more just about Optima Office, how you, you know, kind of started your company, what you guys do, what your sweet spot is, and uh, what your role is. Sure, yeah, Optima is my, my second company, and there's so many lessons that I learned at the first company that I knew some things not to do, some things to do completely the opposite, and then what was really working well, let's keep doing it, and then what can I, you know, improve? What can we do differently here at Optima? And now that I own 100% of the company, we're a female-owned business, I can really just pivot the way that I want to. And it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty cool feeling to be where I'm at right now. Yeah, so. incredible. And so tell us a little bit about the companies that you work with, because you probably have an interesting pulse in terms of what's going on, you know, perhaps locally in the economy, but also, yeah, just like what's happening who are these companies that you, you serve and support? What, what industries and what size? Yeah, it has been a really interesting last three months. I mean, there's been some very devastating effects on a lot of companies. There's also been some really amazing things that have happened to other companies. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting place to be in right now. I would say the companies that we're working with who are struggling the most right now are obviously restaurant and retail. So we do service some restaurant clients, bars, grills, breweries, wineries, and they're obviously struggling because even now that they can get be back open, they can't be fully open, yep. right? It's hard to operate a restaurant at 30%, 40% capacity. Yep. And then they're running into issues with people don't want to come back. <laughs> if they're making more on unemployment, then they don't want to come back to the office or, or back to the, to the restaurant. Yeah. And then, you know, we're having like, some struggles with our business clients. Like, how do we help them navigate through that? Oh. Another industry that's been pretty badly affected is real estate. So we have a huge niche in real estate. We do a lot of re real estate development. We've got a lot of high wealth individual clients that own a lot of properties. Um, some clients own a lot of vacation rentals or Airbnbs. And so they're just really, you know, having a hard time. And it's just helping them navigate. I think one of the things we've really been focusing on there is redoing their revenue forecasts, looking at anybody that they had to defer rent to, and then helping them do cash flow forecasting. Mm. Obviously, you're huge into cash flow and making sure that it's, it's optimized. Right. And so for us, we're trying to optimize our clients' cash flow. Yep. 
But other than that, industry specific, we service not-for-profits, as you had mentioned earlier. We service manufacturing, construction, a lot of professional services. So it's pretty, it's a pretty wide range of, of clientele that we have at Optima. And typically the one to two million dollars is, you know, kind of the lower on the lower revenue side of people we work with. And then our sweet spot is probably three to 20 million. And then a lot of our clients are in the 10, 20 million, you know, 10 to 20, 20 to 30. Um, and maybe 5% is over 20 million. We've got a couple in the 50 to $100 million range. Yep. But it's anybody that needs accounting support. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people need support when it comes to their numbers. And this type of time period economically, you know, exposes a lot of companies who just haven't been prepared financially. And so if somebody is going to take the next step in their finances, managing their business finances, what, what would be the first best step for them? They got this wake up call, like I need to do something. What should they do to like make their finances better inside their business? Yeah, it's a, that's a broad question to a certain extent, but I'm going to answer it in a, uh, in, in, in as condensed form that, that I, that I can, I would say if you, if a company doesn't have their April financials yet, you don't have April financials, you don't have, know how you've done for the first four months of this year, and you haven't been able to project out, you don't have a cash flow forecast, you don't know your margin on every single product or service you sell, then that is a significant problem going into the rest of 2020. Yep. So what we're really trying to help advise our clients of right now is, especially the new incoming clients, let's look at your balance sheet first. Mm. What's wrong? So the, the, you know, the last month that you have closed or you think you have closed, let's take a look at that. Let's compare it to your 2019 tax return. If it's done, some people don't have it done. Correct. Let's look at the beginning balances in January. Let's look at where your balance sheet is at right now. And is it accurate? I don't want to look at their P&L yet because their P&L is probably wrong. Yeah. So let's look at your balance sheet. Let's see where there needs to be some changes. Oftentimes we find that people are just running based on their P&L. They think they're doing great. And then we go and we see that there's negative liabilities on the balance sheet. Yeah. Or they have 50 employees and they don't have any PTO accrual. It's like, well, if all of your employees were to leave, you're going to have to pay out PTO. So you should probably have an accrual on the books. Yeah. And it could be $100,000. Yeah. So your books are going to change by $100,000 because you didn't take the time to accrue PTO and nobody told you that you should do that. Um, you know, even EO, for example, my EO dues, I just paid almost $6,000 for EO to start July 1st, new uh, fiscal year. And it's a prepaid. It's a prepaid expense. It's a 12-month dues and subscription, or executive membership, if you want to call it that. And we book it in July. The first month is expensed. Then in August, the second month's expense, and you remove it from prepaids. A lot of companies don't do that. And if you've got 10 different dues or subscriptions or memberships and you're not putting it in prepaid and you're just expensing it, you might be doing a lot better than you think, yep. but you can't say you had a bad July because you paid a $6,000 EO due. Right. You did it. Right. <laughs> That's not a bad July because of that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we see the same thing on people's personal fronts. How do they manage the property tax bill that's going to show up in six months and being prepared from a cash flow standpoint 
to have the money there to make the $10,000 one time, you know, property tax bill payment. It's just like, you know, but paying the 10,000 that one month doesn't mean you get a bad month. It's just, it's amortized over the course of those six months or the, the last eight months. So yeah. No. I love it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I do. We need to make sure more of these people do. And so the companies, some companies have benefited, some companies have been hurt. Like what are the companies that are doing well that you work with? What are some of the like key systems or key habits that they have in place when they manage their business finances? So we do have quite a few clients that are, uh, are essential businesses. They've, they've stayed open. You know, we've got a, a large cracker product company. They do cr crackers and breads and, and snack foods, and they've been busy, right? They didn't stop for a second. For sure. um, I would say one thing that they do well is they have accurate and timely financials every single month. They know what their inventory numbers are. They know which products are making money, which ones are losing money maybe which wholesale accounts are better than others. And so it's mostly around transparency with your books, right? What kind of transparency do you have? And then the companies that we find that have been more successful right now, even if they've had a decline in revenue, if they know the score and they're planning appropriately, mm. are we really looking at where they can save money in certain areas? Are we looking through their credit card statements and saying, hey, you've got these 10 recurring charges. Are you using it? And if you're not, then delete it. Yep. Um, I like to go by the, the, the kind of the rule, would you buy it again? Mm -hmm. Right, because if you wouldn't buy it again, then cancel it. Right, right. Um, but it's about information, right? The people that have more information are usually gonna do much better than the people who have less information. And a lot of it is, what are the key performance indicators that you need to effectively run your business? And if you don't have any key performance indicators and you're flying by the seat of your pants, well, you're gonna have some surprises. And some of those might not be good surprises. So really tracking to the right information and, and staying on top of it yeah. and executing. Right. You can have a bunch of information, but if you don't execute on it, then it's almost worse than having no information. Right. Yeah, completely. And so as you work with different companies and you help to put these practices in place to get them clear, transparent, timely information along the like business journey, there's companies that are less than a million and then, you know, that might have a bookkeeper. What is that trans, you know, what is that next step for a company that might just have a bookkeeper keeping their books in order and accountant preparing their tax returns? At what stage do they go from we have the bookkeeper to the next level. What what size is that usually for a company, and what's that next logical, you know, hire for financial accounting management for those companies? Yeah, and, and some of these companies are never going to even have to hire an employee in the accounting department because they could outsource it all to us. You know, we've got companies that do ten million plus in revenue, and they don't have one single person employed by them as a W two. Because they can have three days a week of a staff accountant on our team. They can have two days a week of an accounting manager. They can have a controller, a CFO. So they can kind of scale up by leveraging our resources at Optima. But to answer the question about the bookkeeper, I think even if you're a $500,000 company, we've got a few of those. And you might need four hours a month of bookkeeping. You might need 20 hours a month of bookkeeping. But here's the key. There is too big of a gap between the bookkeeper and the CPA 
hundred percent of the time. Mm. Because if the bookkeeper was capable of providing completely accurate financial statements where the balance sheet is actually accurate, they wouldn't be titled bookkeeper because you'd want to have a controller title. You'd want to have an accounting manager title. You'd want to be a senior accountant. So you're not going to call yourself a bookkeeper if you're that sophisticated with your financial and accounting knowledge. Yeah. And, and so there's a gap. And so the CPA doesn't really have anybody to ask the high level questions to the business owners nine times out of 10 don't really understand accounting and finance. They like to look at the numbers, but they don't thoroughly interpret them unless they have somebody senior explaining it. Yep. So what we find is even if you have two hours a month of a senior person blessing the books, making sure it's accurate, making sure the balance sheet's right, and then communicating with the CPA quarterly and annually, you're in such a better shape. Mm -hmm. So it's almost the same cost. Would you rather have a bookkeeper spend 20 hours a month with no oversight, with no direction, and they're just coding things wherever they think it should go, or would you rather have 12 hours of uh, the bookkeeping role, really strategic, really focused, they know exactly what their role is, and then you have somebody spending four hours a month, two to six hours a month, whatever it is, at a higher level, really managing and guiding that person. Well, it might cost you an extra couple hundred dollars a month, but I mean, the upside is huge. Yeah. Um, because with no segregation of duties and no internal controls, no checks and balances, you are really uh, risking a lot with your cash and with your financial um, accounting. I mean, you could have fraud. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have fraud, you'd be surprised. I'd say 25% of businesses at some point are going to have some level of fraud, which is a big number. Yep. Um, you're going to have human error. Yep. Nobody's perfect. Your bookkeeper's going to make mistakes. Things are going to get coded wrong. And if your CPA doesn't catch it, well, you might've just left a ton of money on the table and you're overpaying in taxes. Yeah, absolutely. So. And is that next level, is that like a, a staff accountant that is then taking on that advanced, you know, from the bookkeeper, is it a staff accountant that then is able to tie all that together? What, who is that person? What is that role? So for the smaller companies, we use a senior accounting manager and I have a team of pretty sophisticated senior accounting managers that uh, know how to close the books, know how to put together financials, know how to do cash flow forecasts. Mm -hmm. They can do it for a million to $2 million businesses. But if you put them in charge of a $20 million business, no, they're going to be maxed out. So I kind of look at the size of the business, the complication of each company, and then really what is the right solution. It might be a bookkeeper or staff accountant. I kind of use those two interchangeably. The only reason we say staff accountant is they have an accounting degree, right? They have a sophisticated degree. You could be a great bookkeeper, but you don't have an accounting degree and you've been doing it 20 years. So you're going to call yourself a bookkeeper or a senior bookkeeper. Those are kind of the same level to me. Um, and if an accounting manager can't do the role of the high level position, then we would have an assistant controller or a controller or a CFO. I don't usually put a CFO on a client until they're doing at least seven million, five to seven million a year in revenue is kind of where we might put in a CFO, uh, more for strategy and forward-looking advice. So it kind of just depends. Every single business is unique. Yep. Even if you took two companies that had the same revenue, same industry, same number of employees, same accounting system, I can guarantee you there's gonna be major differences between the culture, the management, how they want things, what they wanna see. So it's it's pretty, it's pretty customized here at, at Optima. I like to look at a lot of different, uh, a lot of different moving parts before I make a decision on who the team's going to be. For sure. No, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. And so kind of bringing something back to 
today and I, you know, what's going on in the world. You work with some retail restaurant clients. A lot of companies have received that triple P or the paycheck protection program loan. Yep. Uh, it's been changing every couple of days. It feels like, and things have been changing. Uh, now there's new legislation out there. How have you been working with your clients and what are the best practices for actually getting that loan forgiven that businesses need to be aware of when it comes to managing their PPP? Yeah, and I think, Matt, you've done a great job at putting out content and staying up on it. I know you post a lot in the EO community and, and people appreciate it because it's hard to stay up with everything. Oh, yeah. and, and most business owners don't have the time or the resources to stay up on all the new legislation. Of course. It's such a moving target. I would say that staying up on the legislation and understanding how it works is the key to being a consultant. If you're mm -hmm. going to advise somebody else on what to do, you better stay up on what's changing every single day. Yeah. Um, I, to clients that receive the paycheck protection loan or an EIDL loan or an SBA loan, Yep. You know, it's really, what are you doing with that capital? Yep. What is the best uses of capital and how are you going to use it to invest in your company and in your people? Mm -hmm. uh, the PPP loan specifically needs to be done, um, paid 60% on your people. And if you do 59.9, none of it's forgiven, yep. right? So, so it's really navigating, well, does it make sense to have the 60% on your people or can you have 75% on your people, but no less than 60 Right. Is the eight-week period good? Or now that it's been expanded to 24 weeks, do you need 24 weeks? I can tell you our restaurant clients need 24 weeks. Sure. They got this thing pushed. They were the ones to spur this change. Right. Sure. right. So they need the 24 weeks. Retail needs the 24 weeks. Uh, real estate companies need the 24 weeks, usually. Um, professional services company like Optima, our PPP loan, um, I don't need more than eight weeks. I was able to spend way more than they gave me on payroll in the eight-week period because we have 60 people and it caps out at $100,000 per person, right? So you can only get forgiven and use the funds on $8,333 per employee per month. So, I mean, I've got seven CFOs at Optima. We've got what, 15 to 20 controllers. I lost count. It's somewhere over 15. And most of those people are, they're going to make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So, you know, our payroll costs are big. I, I don't need any leverage. I don't need the 60%. I'm good with 75%. I'm good with eight weeks. I'm good with all the other, the original plan works really well for me. Yep. I don't need to extend it. I don't need the accrual. I don't, it's paid and incurred. That's fine with me, but I'm kind of in an anomaly situation. I'd say I'm maybe in the, 10 to 15 percent of business owners at the very first plan actually made a lot of sense and we're good with it so it's understanding who's not good with it what tweaks need to be made to the program so that people can make sure that they're getting is the max forgiveness uh, but it's a giant puzzle yeah you know we're trying to figure it out right and i think now that 24-week period that people have to spend the money and then you've got you know people need to be on the payroll as of the end of the year now versus june 30th it's like where there's still six plus months. Like, are we still going to be able to have all these people? Are we going to be, have a sustainable recovery to have everybody there on December 31st? I mean, it's still strategy and consulting that people need to do business owners need to do around this to make the most of it. I think many people, like you said, like you should probably 
go through on that eight week program and just be done with it, not have that debt and pay it back or get forgiveness and move on. Uh, but then others have a real need and this can hopefully help make it work for them. So yeah, yeah, yeah you got it. Exactly. It's a, it's, it's not an easy answer. I can tell you that even for us, I mean, we've got plenty of accountants here on the team. But in terms of figuring it out and calculating it, I mean, my accounting team is working almost double the amount of hours just trying to figure this out every payroll. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, I mean, I know in my father, he's a CPA uh, in Minnesota. And it's like, this is, this is a whole nother tax season during, during their tax season. This is like a whole nother thing that needs to be done, you know, and yeah. calculated and uh, time spent. So yeah, well, and, Today we're, we're we're filming this and shooting this, and it's like the employment numbers came out, and the stock market reacted nicely, and it was a big. The stock market would seem to be surprised by the employment, but it, to me, it made complete logical sense because everyone got their PPP loans early May and had to hire everybody back, and so I don't know why everyone was so surprised by it. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad employment's come was was good, but I, I was surprised by by the surprise that the market had. But um, well, it must be tough being in your industry. Uh, I mean, you're, it's almost like you're a frontline worker trying to manage people's cash and trying to manage the ups and the downs and the flows. And, you know, it, it, it's somewhat scary, right? Because people are looking to you for support and advice and yeah. you, you don't know what the market's going to do on, on, on a regular basis. It's just another moving target. For sure. And, I, you know, when it comes to investing, I think at the end of the day, like I want our clients to know that my biases are not going to make a difference. We need to be systematic in terms of our approach with their investments. And they don't want my bias or any of our team's bias in investing because that bias could have led us to not take the right, make the right steps or, you know, so I think that's the key to this whole thing is just having a good plan operating bias free and uh, executing. So and for your own business, you know, you, you learned a lot from your first business and you said you brought some of those, you know, lessons to this new one and made it grow really fast. If I, if we would have told you that in 2019, that this far, part, this first part of 2020 was going to happen, would you have changed anything in how you've grown your business or any steps that you would have taken or done differently coming into this year with what's kind of happened? Hmm. Interesting question. I don't, I don't think there's anything I could have done. Yeah. I think even if we knew this was going to happen, I mean, gosh, if we knew it would have happened, we would have been prepared with tests and mm -hmm. not having locked down the economy like we did. Um, I think, you know, having a list of internal projects that you can accomplish and some back burner items and having those ready to go in times, any kind of downtime, yeah. that's always helpful. I had to come up with those, you know, a little bit later after, after COVID really struck us. I didn't want our hours to drop as a firm. So I had to pivot and decide what internal projects should people work on? What can we do so that in three months when COVID's over with, are we going to come out of this more efficient yeah. and have accomplished things? Or are we all going to be behind and scrambling and we wish we could have spent the downtime on something more productive? So thankfully, we, we pivoted quickly and we came up with some really great ideas and projects for our team to do. And thankfully, our hours has not dropped um, as a firm. But some of that is because of the FFCRA hours. Some of that is because we've done a lot of pro bono support. Mm -hmm. If any business is really struggling and they need support, I'm going to help them. So we'll do up to $5,000 
potentially and in some extreme cases of pro bono work just to keep my team busy, pay the PPP funds forward, make sure that companies are taken care of, but then also, you know, it's, it's a win-win across the board for us. So that's kind of how we've had to pivot. It's awesome. No, I love to, I love to hear that. I think we all need to, you know, be a part of this together so we all can emerge from this and, you know, no one, you know, it just, that's kind of what I see with all the industries. Everyone's affected, whether it's the real estate or the landlord or the restaurateur or the employee, it's like, we all need to play our part to help us all collectively, you know, come out of this. And so, um, would there be anything that you would be doing differently in your business finances or personal finances, uh, having experiences? You know, those, those PPP funds were game changing mm -hmm. because we were able to get those. Yeah. And I was also able to sell the shares of my first company during the middle of a pandemic. Nice. So for, for the first time ever in the, in the eight years I've been a CEO and ran a company, I have no financial issues at all. We're actually really doing quite well. And, and it's because we have the time, the strategy and we've planned and we have a cash flow forecast. We know what we need and what we don't need. So uh, we're really good in that area. Um, I would say more of it is around uh, marketing efforts and how do we capture new companies and how do we service others and really how do we make a bigger impact with the resources that we have that can help support and, and grow the economy in other ways. That's awesome. No, thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. So where do people find you? How do they get in touch with you and your company? Well, we've got our website, optimaoffice.com and we've got a, a landline here at the office. We're still old school with our accounting uh, landline. It's 858-283-1234. Uh, and then you can also email info at optimaoffice.com. Fantastic. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for uh, being a part of us, sharing your experience and insights uh, kind of firsthand. Uh, and it's much appreciated.